folks, Danny here. We have a fantastic episode and guest for you today, and our guest is here to talk with us about healing from trauma. But before we dive into that, we just wanted to give you a heads up that this episode does contain discussions of how trauma affects people, but we do reference sexual assault. We want to let you know so that you're up to speed before diving into this episode. Our guest Mel is the author of Getting Out of Bed, a zine about healing from trauma, and it's available for purchase on Amazon. And just so you know, a portion of proceeds will be donated to Toronto Rape Crisis Centre. And so we encourage you to check it out and join us on this engaging episode. Can you continue with what you're saying about how post game is when you decide when you launch into conversations about that? Yeah, so I always I say the post game replay after I have a fun night with a male suitor, um, and I and I prefer to talk like that because it makes it sound like not as big a deal. Um, but when I have a, a night with a male suitor, I prefer to have the post game replay because I like to learn and I also like to normalize sex conversations because yeah. I think too I hear too many stories where my friends will be talking this was like early days in university um a lot of my friend group was very sexually inexperienced and i would hear these stories that they would say where they were boasting but um i wasn't hearing any of their own enjoyment i was hearing a story being told and when i like dug deeper i found out like oh that actually was really traumatic or that hurt or that was uncomfortable or he didn't actually listen here and like some not so great feedback so then i was like you know what I just chat like throughout and then I like to redo a post game replay after to just like chat through stuff just because I'm yeah. like why not I have definitely noticed that um and also I don't know if it was my upbringing but I think there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of taboos and even like uh in history regarding women and being sexual we were all like a lot of women were regarded as witches when they were sexual when they like, had to like freaking get yeah. you off at the doctor's office yeah <laughs> frick yeah. <laughs> like you know crazy. about this Ashay? No, it was the you, hysteria of women where okay. they'd go to the doctor's office and the doctors would be like you're too sexual you're not supposed to be it's a sickness and so we're gonna get you off and then you'll go home cured of your hysteria so they addressed horniness through orgasms is what i'm understanding through a like a illness though like they demonized yeah it. horniness was like an illness yeah yeah oh that's fucked up and even just in society, but, just like in general, it's still something we're trying to like outprogram and try to reprogram into something that's normalized. And I think at least just being, I don't know, I, I don't think I had any like thing crazy yet. I grew up in a Catholic Christian household, but I was very open-minded. I was not like um, pigeonholed through that lens. And growing up pretty normal and pretty open, I literally did not know girls masturbated until second year of university. How crazy is that, that I, women, or at least, and I, I'm very open. I talk to tons of people uh, and diverse people. How did that conversation just never get brought up? But the yeah. amount of times I've heard people have conversations surrounding sex or like what happens with guys. Like, I, I mean, I, you see sex all over TV. Um, you see it like in the media, you talk about it with friends. And I just feel like anything regarding women is always just so overlooked. And so that's been some internalized thing that I've had to work through. Um, and there's a lot of things that just aren't, I think, explained to us properly in our upbringings. And it should be in health classes, we were kind of priorly discussing, um, whether it be like female reproductive rights, 
um, being allowed to experience pleasure outside of uh, conceiving a baby. <laughs> um, um, yeah, like masturbation and yep. especially like anything regarding um, queerness. Um, I didn't know. I, I, for me, I was like, oh, other people are allowed to be gay, but there's no way I am. And so it wasn't until I obviously like living on my own and um, beginning to open up more and more to people um, and have these conversations, I think is really important, but it just came so late in life. So I mm -hmm. always kind of make the joke with my partner. I was like, in hetero years, I've like had all the experience I ever want. And I was like, in queer years, I'm like, of grade five who just held hands for the first time and it's like oh my god how do you explain this like so, oh yeah. that's so funny that's amazing I, I i can't speak i don't live the experience obviously of what um like health class was like for for women but for, from a men's perspective i think it's honestly similar i mean there's start, shockingly few conversations that happen around sex and sexuality and B to your point earlier, Danny, about post gaming, I think more conversation, if, if men know better how to talk about sex, then those conversations are easier. And B, I will say in any kind of sexual experience, there is a power dynamic and it's understanding the power dynamic that's at play there between like whatever the partners are. Yeah, and, and and understanding that, understanding what that brings with it, and and speaking again from my experience it, it, with with heterosexual uh, relationships is that oftentimes it's it's the men that are in the power position, and understanding what that means in terms of how you need to communicate or how the other person might be feeling regarding what's happening. Yeah, I think that's just straight up not talked about, and I and I can say I haven't had a conversation with any of my male friends about it. I've had conversations with my female friends about it. Yeah, and I think all these things actually in turn because I'm very holistic. I've very much live life in like this like spiritual lens but scientific at the same time because I've definitely before I used to fight between the two and if I always felt divided and, and now that I've started to bring them together I was like oh this is I feel like I embody life in such a different way and I swear this relates to your point um <laughs> but what, what you were saying um I think all these things also in turn allow us to like we create this otherness between um, the two partners or two people that are experiencing any sort of sexual intimacy. Um, I mean, the typical, like, um, I guess, the typical thing you hear is like, oh, like this girl really wants me or like she's clingy or something like that. Um, and I feel like that's formed because we're just so disconnected um, from what's going on into a toll and we feel this taboo or we just won't talk about things. We don't understand our bodies and there's all these things that we're disconnected from. And then it leaves us actually to have, uh, to put it lightly, crappier experiences sexually than if we were to be connected with our bodies and, um, open about communication and we wouldn't create such an otherness of like, uh, the common miscommunication. I think that especially happens in like adolescent years of uh, discovering your sexuality and how you express yourself sexually um and i feel like once we really step into embodying and really questioning like whether it be your sexuality or how you sexually express yourself and um having less taboo conversations you are bound to feel way more connected during your sexual experiences and will be way more pleasurable for both parties so i'm also on board for the um uh, I guess the replays, is that what you call it? Yeah. Post-game Post replay. <laughs> I love it. Um, and also on a little side note, I there was this book I read, which was actually by two podcasters and I didn't know that beforehand. Um, and I think it's called um, Fucked, but it's like Stardo. Yeah. Um, and it's a podcast, I think it's called Guys We Fucked. And oh my God, we love yeah, that. We, we love Guys We Fucked. 
Yeah, it's so good. The book, if you haven't read it, literally made me play hockey better, which is why it reminded me of what <laughs> you're saying. Because they go through everything, like, different, like, vagina looks, abortions, um, sexual kinks that are, like, slept on, but, like, or tab like a taboo they're like that's a thing they basically go through and they're just like that's a thing that's a thing that's a thing um it, it was the best book because I was on a male hockey team at the time and I was so like not in my confidence and I don't know I just read it and yes like it's just crazy at that holistic connection but anyways I it just reminded me of what you were talking about I was like this is something I need to connect you to if you don't already know, but it clearly you do. But, but I, I didn't know they wrote a book. I love no, that podcasters are all writing books, like every single yeah. one of them. And a lot of them have to do with trauma. And I've personally experienced a lot of emotion writing. Yeah. Um, writing's a newer thing in my life, like in the later years of my adulthood. And I, it is emotional when you unpack things. Like 100%, because you're very much taking something that's internalized, and especially with trauma, it's very much stored in the body. And a lot of times it's so deep that it, we're not, our thinking brain, that's basically what trauma is. It's like our thinking brain is offline. So to express that into physical form, that can be such a tough thing to work to, uh, through. And we were even kind of talking about this briefly is, um, yeah, how you present a format, whether you heal through trauma by creating some form of artwork, whether it be photography or painting. Um, I think the written word, it just creates such an extra prominent layer that can be so tough to express but also um how to be mindful to how you're healing through it and how you help others heal through this um same expression i think language surrounding trauma is vital to the person who's expressing and the people who are listening and taking it in because because otherwise you're just not really respecting your process and understanding what's happening in your body as much as you might want to share it there's better ways to respect your boundaries and other people's boundaries. Absolutely. So, okay, I chatted with you, Mel, on the phone about our typical question that we ask is, how do you yes. know us? But yes. the relevance here is not like it would be a very quick, oh, yeah. we don't actually know you that well. <laughs> so um, I was... I was mulling it over because you had said you had wanted to potentially talk about some things you're passionate about. So I was like, okay, I think the reason we're all in a room together, room, is yeah. because we're all <laughs> passionate about very similar things and like yeah. advocates for a lot of things. So yeah. I was going to ask, my question was going to be, what are your claim to fames or the things that you're passionate about that brought us together? Oh, I don't know if that's, that's too intense That's a great question. Wow. That's like my heart is like... <laughs> Wow, Danny, do you have oh your thoughts gathered on this topic? I, just as you asked me, I was also running, because I always ask these intense questions, and then I'm like, can I answer my own questions? And I, th I think I have what I would say, so I'm happy to go first. Um, yeah, sure, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, I was going to say vulnerability, because I just chat about my own life and my own issues, which I think because I'm so open about it with people that they feel the same sense of safety in a way to be vulnerable yeah. so I always think like it takes a lot to come on to talk to strangers in general like even as a host it's like a lot of pressure but I like it because we all are open to chatting and being vulnerable so I'm like that is really cool to me I've been talking about this quite a bit lately actually I was been talking to people about how um, a lot of times before I used to see other people people having different opinion or view of life for me as a divider. But now I think I've just formed 
this understanding of I can believe what someone else's experience are, but not experience it myself, if that makes sense. And I yep. think a lot of that comes down to um, like the spiritual religious debate um because yeah for so long i think i was you've been working with these different polarities in the world and i think um just because our perception in our lives are different doesn't mean we didn't experience that like there's no way someone can come to me if i say oh i have a, such a like great spiritual connection connection with trees and trees like have taught me a lot about life no one can be like no <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't say no and just because i don't see what they're seeing doesn't mean it doesn't exist it just and i think the more we embrace that the more we can actually learn and be open to what other people have to say because i'm a huge for example i'm actually i'm a huge tree nerd i've learned so much about them um both uh, medicinal and spiritual properties and i think um i and i think when people hear me go off about trees they're just like okay like they're, they're just I don't know it's not a big deal um but then yeah I don't know I I learned from learning from other people obviously and um other people have their version of trees and allows me to see life in such a more expansive way when I realize that life isn't just pigeonholed to my own perception of life if that makes sense absolutely <laughs> does That's amazing I love that it absolutely does I totally derailed. I'm, I derailed no, no, we all did. It's the story of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Is that, should that be my thing? I'm passionate about derailing? Is that? <laughs> no, I think I'm passionate about engagement. I think what really matters to me, and it's something that I struggle with being consistent about, it comes and goes. I mean, the, the people have a capacity. But I, what's really important to me, I'm really passionate about being present, being in the moment, and being engaged when I'm talking to somebody. And I think, I think that's one of the things that's made Danny and I's friendship grow and work is the vault combination of vulnerability. And then just, I feel like when we're talking, we're always engaged. We're hundred percent present, we're transparent and we're vulnerable. And I think that's led to some great stories being shared by us and the people around us. And so being engaged and hearing other people's stories is what kind of think, I think led me to do this with Danny and, and Danny's, I will say, I don't want to say habit, Danny's aura of <laughs> people in and making a good vibes connections has kind of led i think me to meet you mel so oh that's so nice uh, oh yeah i was gonna say i feel like my word might be too much of a synonym but we'll, we'll go for it anyways but i was gonna say I, i'm very passionate about connection whether it's connecting people to art or themselves or like with one another and i think um that is the common connection with every basically everything I do how I um, take care of myself and my self-love um, how I connect with other people whether they're very different from me or very much the same and how I adjust to those different circumstances um, and how I connect to even like the businesses that I've gotten into creating and doing it's all been centered around connection um, because I I was going to say, am I allowed to segue into this? Into my two I was, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I have my one small business, which I called Subflume. Um, I won't even get into the conceptual weirdness of that name unless we want to later. But that <laughs> one's all about um, art. And to me, it was all about um, me connecting, especially to the moment. And that's the truest form of artwork is like every true artist creates from a place of stillness and presentness. I definitely believe that. So yeah, that, that was to me about, for me, connecting with art, connecting other people with my art, how I express the way I connect in the world um, into artwork. So for example, a lot of my art has these subliminally um, 
earthy messages in them. And I think it, a lot is expressing how I connect to um, other people or the planet. And then uh, segueing into my other connection is once again, I'm very passionate and a big importance in my life is connecting with the earth and connecting people with sustainable resources. So that, and with themselves and like how people, everyone's experiences are very much an individual basis. So for for that, it was all about um, creating a sustainable shop. So a zero waste shop and then also doing earth-based uh, spiritual healings and readings. I call them healings lightly. It's it's more so a healing experience to, I think, connect with the earth or connect with what you truly need yourself. And, and so I'm sure you can already guess if I'm going around telling people I do crystal and tree readings, they're like, what the heck is that? Um, <laughs> a tree reading is a funny thing to say to people. And, um, but I, I, all in all, the whole experience has been so profound and has opened me up to a lot more beyond uh what I've been brought up seeing in the world and what I've been taught and and it's taught me so much there's so much about connection so yeah connection connection and we're all connecting now which I think is so special and I I already feel like you guys are my best friends (laughs) (laughs) I have to say like every person that I've met who is interdisciplinary with their entrepreneurship I think just like brings a whole bunch of portfolios there. Like the fact that you have openness to go into so many different things, but then also have the passion to like make it a one track, like make yeah. it a business. I just think that's a skill set that is. And I, I think Ashay and I also share that where it's like you look for multiple different industries or multiple different threads to bring together for and it's really about community like we can call it entrepreneurship mm-hmm. for the the hustle of it but also it's mainly about community yeah and 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 i think part of it is also and this is something i, I wish i would have said earlier but i think it ties in is that ultimately you want to care about things that are important to you everyone wants and everyone you want to feel like other people care about things that are important to you right you want to talk about things that are important to you, you want to do things that are important to you you want to live in in activities and spaces and, and places that are important to you and I think to your point Danny being able to recognize that there can be lots of things that are important to me and they don't all have to be the same thing but yeah. I can pursue them all in through one vehicle so I was gonna say we've talked uh, we've touched a little bit on trauma from a women's health perspective, some spirituality growth. And I was going to ask us to chat about how trauma has like either pushed us forward or pushed us to a different path or just like how it's pivoted us if it has throughout yeah. our life. Like I was trying to think too uh, of the moments in time I've dealt with trauma. This question came from my own reflection because I was like, okay, at every point that I can pinpoint, okay, that was a traumatic experience for me it's definitely caused me to self-reflect and either it reinforced that I was on the right path and this was somebody trying to take me off of that or it was, or environmental or whatever it is, doesn't have to be a person, or it was something that did push me in a different direction because I was like, I was steamrolling on a path that I thought was right and this trauma gave me that opportunity to pivot. So, but yeah, is there anything that sticks out in either of your lives of pivot points based in trauma? Yeah, I think a pivot point for me, and this is a traumatic experience because essentially I was in a scenario where my entire social circle or the, the core of my social circle, how do I say this? Essentially this trauma uh, 
it was the first time I'd ever stood up for myself or respected myself enough to say something or do something for me. And it made me really aware of how I allow others to treat me. And I choose those words carefully. I allowed a lot of external perceptions of myself or, or the feedback I was getting from the people in my life to drive my own image of myself rather than letting me drive the, my own image of myself and, and then hearing feedback. I did have that pivot point where I, I basically, I went through an experience where, and so for example, I've had really, really great conversations with my sister about, hey, how do you, I've noticed this, or do you think that this is possible that you also value yourself or make value judgments about yourself or perceive yourself based on external inputs rather than on internal inputs? And so it's interesting to me because my trauma that I went through has not only sparked that growth, I'm going to call it growth in myself, but it's also something that sparked growth in the people around me, like for my sister, for example. I, I love that. That's, I think what you said was amazing, especially surrounding like um, this kind of underlying very silver lining to it is that with going through it, you can in turn help other people and we can have these conversations and um, begin to bring it out of the body because that's where it gets stored is in our nervous system. So I think that's such an amazing thing that you can, you kind of, that turning point allows you to embody. No, I, I don't know if I fully addressed your question, Danny. You absolutely you. did. No, that, was a, that was a perfect example. And I like the focus on the growth part. It's like what yeah, I, my question is based on like, what did it, what did the trauma, whatever it is, do for you then moving forward? Mm -hmm. And I think it, a, lo a lot of that has led to the, to who I am today. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I, um, <clears throat> from that, yeah, I learned so much about just like healing from trauma and educating myself around it. I learned a lot about how vocabulary um is so essential with what you're saying. And, and I think that's where I've started embodying this whole, like what I experienced doesn't have to be your own, like someone else. And um, so for example, um, just cause <laughs> this spirals into a lot of psychology talk, but if someone, a lot of times, if someone gets mad at, let's say someone got mad at me and said like, Hey, you made me feel like crap because you did this, this, and this, we could get into like a kind of whole debate about it. But the thing is, there's no way I can tell that person that I did not hurt them. Even if I didn't intend to, even if their reasoning for it doesn't make sense for me, if someone's telling me I hurt them or did, made them feel a certain way, that is valid. And I think we approach conversations, especially surrounding trauma, so much differently when we have the sort of trauma-informed lens. But unfortunately, this isn't like deemed an, an essential um, educational program, even though it should be, because I think- really yeah, like I said, I, I keep going back to this like otherness and it's to me the opposite of connection is feeling this division and this otherness of like your experiences versus mine rather than saying, no, you did experience that and like this is how I'm feeling and how can we work through this and kind of come to this resolve where we can reconnect. Yeah, I my sentence for that one is um, I when I hear people say like, um, do you think I'm overreacting? And I'm like, you're not overreacting if you felt yeah. it. Like yeah. how can, how can anybody tell you not to feel what naturally <laughs> yeah. comes to you as a feeling? And yeah. so it's like trusting yourself and trusting that you can feel the emotions that hit you in yeah. points of trauma and in the layers after as you grieve Im Im immediately after, but then also as it hits you on bad days. Yeah. Or I call them low days because I don't like yeah. to um, make them negative. Yeah. No, mm. I, I really like what you said. And I think there's a lot of, um, 
learning and unlearning that comes with when you learn things to <laughs> learn things your whole life and then you just like you're saying around emotions or anything and I think that's so such a natural process to experience and I think we should place more understanding in ourselves and like how this kind of like conditioning we're brought up with and how we can be patient with ourselves as we learn and unlearn things because it isn't an overnight process and we I mean, most, a lot of people know about how it's easier to learn things as an adolescent, as a fresh blank slate. It's easier to learn something than it is to unlearn. So yeah. I, I definitely think these are all very like essential conversations and really will help other people to better articulate and understand kind of this internal thing that we all experience. And um, we're all bound to relearn something in our lives, especially when we kind of reach adulthood and or reach having this point of freedom where whether you're bound to a family or relationship or even to not being present because of any sort of mental health condition, all these things can allow us to reach this point where we have to relearn. And um, the example I always give to my friends is um, I'll say, you know, if we ever had that friend that let's say it's like a girlfriend and their boyfriend's cheating on them and then they love them, they keep trying to make it work. The thing is you can tell them a billion times over, which, honestly won't help that that person isn't good for them but until they understand and literally unlearn loving them it's not going to happen so you just have to be supportive to them don't have to be supportive to the relationship you have to be supportive to them as they go through that unlearning process and we all have to respect and be patient with each other because the odds are something that's obvious to you isn't to someone else and you've mentioned that the zine was something that helped you through trauma. Was that something that like you went through trauma and you were like, oh, this is already a part of something I would do as an outlet? Or like, how did you get from processing and grieving to zine is a good outlet for you to, to put trauma into? I think actually a good segue for this, um, if it's okay with you, because uh, what, what, I forget what your first question was about like trauma and shaping me, because I think that really connects with this question. Does that work well for you if I like kind of answer the first question and then um, I think that will help me get into like the creative process? 100%. That's phenomenal. Yeah, please go ahead with it. Okay, wait, what, so what was the first question you um, you were asking everyone about um, how does trauma shape us? Just yeah, so I like, know how <laughs> Yeah, how does it either pivot or reinforce your path? Yeah, I guess um, for so long, I also downplayed traumas. So I thought like a trauma has to be like this kind of the typical giant events. Like, I don't know, it could be someone dying or some form of assault. Don't even know. But and then with um, understanding more that trauma can be as little, <laughs> as big or little as what it might seem to someone else. Everyone's experiences are different and what we might not even be conscious of traumas because they, we haven't labeled them to be this big thing. So um, for me, in this case, it was the big thing. Um, I experienced a um, act of sexual violence against me and I, that was a whole healing process in itself, but I was also, um, I had to testify as a witness because it was a whole, there was a whole court proceeding, basically. And because of that, that just keeps opening up these old wounds. I mean, here I am, like, years later, and it's still going on in the background of my life. And um, just because that's just the way the system works. And I think that was, like, my turning point was I basically hit this wall where it was um, the second round of going to court. And um, like I said, it gets dragged on for years. So it's basically like every time you're, you have like this wound on you and every time someone's basically just like, 
like, oh, that's where you got hurt. Like, that's exactly where I'm going to open it up again. So that was my pivoting point. So I think I hit a moment where I was like, I have no other choice other than to heal because I basically felt like I was going crazy and I experienced a lot of physical and mental and emotional, like everything was affecting me because of this trauma. However, but that was the big turning point is I think as soon as you experience the trauma, you are always like labeled as a survivor or you're always healing. Even if it feels like some days you take three steps forward and two steps back. When you go back, you're still constantly progressing in your healing because it's like this roller coaster. It's not this one way track where like, oh, like I did take two steps forward and now I'm going like one step back. It's you're actually always going forward, even if you don't feel like that. So when I experienced this core process, um, which this kind of segues into the creative outlet question, I was having a really tough day and I ended up, my partner took me to go to a comic book store because that's just like our like was our weird little niche thing that we loved doing and I came across this beautiful beautiful graphic novel that was called not funny haha no context to it just said not funny haha it was like a green or sorry it was an orange book with some people on it like zero context I had no idea what I was getting into but it was beautiful I opened it up I started reading I'm like oh my gosh this is talking you through the two methods of having an abortion and I thought it was absolutely genius because it was one uh, taboo topic it's also beautifully done and it's presented in a way that is accessible through pictures through narrative and it's approachable like it and i think having it in a condensed format is so it's just so genius so i was kind of mentioning before um how i thought zines were beautiful i thought graphic novels were beautiful i knew nothing about it i was actually in my final year doing my thesis for photography and my teacher hated me for this. I changed my thesis basically by midterms, which was like a no-no, but she was very understanding and very supportive throughout everything. And actually she was the one who connected me to a trauma counselor specifically, which gave me so much knowledge for how to approach this. And I turned my healing process into my project. And I think it allowed me to take my healing as seriously as I did my artwork, because I think a lot of people can relate to that is like, you feel like you're so busy because she was basically like, Oh, if you need to take a year off, that's totally fine. And I, I was on a mission. I was like, no, I'm going to do this. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I think it was by far and probably will always be something that I'm like proud of. And the best thing I've ever done with my time and energy was not only take the time to heal myself, but turned it into a project in which hopefully others can heal and make it approachable and um, using these intense therapy sessions and turning them into basically like me journaling into this book. I, I love a that you found the not funny haha zine and then that you're also creating similar content. I think one of the things that keeps taboo topics as taboo topics are barriers to accessibility. And among those being language, among those being formats such as there's a lot of content available, journals, journal articles, research on things like uh, very, very taboo topics, right? Yeah. Abortions, things like that. But that is not accessible format. People will get lost in the words. It's not easily yeah. digestible. It's intimidating. It's scary. And then you're taking something that has all these barriers, breaking those down, making it very yeah. accessible and saying, hey, this is, I know this is hard to talk about, but here's, here's an easy way to talk about it. Here's something <laughs> that's really nice. Yes. I love that that's something, I, I, I feel like that hasn't, I've never heard that talked about is the barriers keeping yeah. things as taboo. And I think that you made a great point by saying that. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you so much. No, I 100% I um, agree because um, as I was mentioning, like I said, I don't, I'm not pigeonholing anyone's experiences to being my home. But when I was, for example, going through trauma, the last thing I want to read about is like <laughs> some big essay or book about trauma. And honestly, I had a really time digesting any narrative for that matter. I was having a really hard time in school focusing. Like all these are very common and in healing from trauma so i definitely i was basically working through the scope of like what am i struggling with and how can i respect my healing and present it in a way that's this very flux and flow of doing something that's healing for me and respecting my boundaries while also creating something in turn that's going to hopefully help other people respect where they're at and yeah the format is 100 percent essential and and I can't remember how I was going to segue into this, but so I went to a specific trauma therapy. I had gone to mental health counselors and psychologists growing up and um, I was recommended to this person uh, through my teacher and I didn't even know trauma counselors existed. It was by far the best and most healing thing I could have done for myself. I had no idea what I was getting into, but trauma is such a specific form of um, if you even want to classify it, I don't even think can embody forms of mental health, but it's its own, it's its own thing. It's very separate. And um, so, for example, with going to therapy and and trauma therapy and learning about what was happening in my body and and what was happening to my mind, I was able to take what I found was really important and present it in my findings, kind of in this zine. But the zine was all written from like these first person kind of easy digestible almost affirmations slash journal prompts that I was writing. So for example, one of my favorite things I learned from trauma was um, and healing from trauma was that a lot of times what's happening is your, your frontal lobe, which is your thinking brain basically goes offline when it's triggered. And that can happen from anything. Like you said, environments or people, it goes offline and your body's reacting as if you were back at that traumatic experience or all mm. the trauma that were, that rippled from it. So one of my favorite things I learned how to do was how to activate that thinking part of my brain online. But the thing is, I'm not going to write that all as zine. No one's going to, no one's going to digest that if they're healing from trauma. So I basically just said, anytime I feel like I'm not grounded in the moment or I'm reacting, I start naming five things around me that are my favorite color. And I, so for example, if it was blue, I, I'd be like, okay, I see the sky. Um, I see my pot over there. I see my candle and all these things actually force me to think and start learning and have my body learn that I'm safe in this moment. I'm not back where I was when I experienced that trauma because you're engaging in thinking and you're literally relearning and understanding because that's what trauma is. It's feeling unsafe as if you're back at a prior past experience, but hmm. you're not. So it can be um, my favorite things is saying, let's say favorite color, or it can be any color for that matter. Um, five things you feel. So I could be like, oh, I feel my foot on the ground. I feel my hair touching my shoulder. I feel my fingers touching each other and all these things. And you start also, this is a great thing and not just trauma, just grounding yeah, that yourself. That sounds mindfulness me. related. It's very. Like, <laughs> and I think it's important too, because I hear a lot in the conversations I've had or scenarios I've had where people have been triggered by traumatic experiences they've had in the past oftentimes i find that your gut reaction is oh well why didn't you do this or well well why don't you just get out of there why don't you do xyz right and and what you are explaining is that it it's 
sure, those are all very logical things to do, yeah. but the logical part of your brain is not it's, engaged yeah. right now. It's not there. It's a very fight or flight kind of very yeah. carnal fear reaction that you yeah. need to really work yourself through. So I think that's amazing context for people who are conversing with people who are triggered by trauma. Yeah, I, re I really like that as well, because for me, and I've heard this sentiment from others, you have this sense of like, I have dealt with this. Like, I feel stable. This feels like you said about the three steps back, but you're always moving forward. It's yeah. so easy to fixate on the, you feel like, why am I regressing? Like I've already yeah. processed. I've gone to therapy. I feel okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's the, it's a specific trigger point that gets you there. Yeah. And that, that feeling, it sort of helped me as you were talking be like oh that makes so much sense why I felt debilitated in that moment because yeah. I was triggered my thinking brain was like oh we're gone and I felt immediately back in that day you know yeah. like so I I really appreciate that sentiment because I'm I'm gonna use that as being nicer to myself in those oh. moments where it's like okay this is okay. And also yeah. look at the trees Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and how green yeah. they are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, and love I love that you said be nicer to yourself because yeah. it's okay that you're going through that. It's not yeah. anything that you should be expected to be able to control yeah. off the get-go, right? Yeah. yeah. And there's absolutely no timeline. So you can experience, you could experience no trauma and then it comes up like years later or yeah, you could feel fully healed and then you feel like you've taken these steps back. But the thing is, if you, if you are not back at, I, that's why I always say to people, even if they feel like they've taken a few steps back, I was like, but you, you are still healing. Like you are healing from trauma, even now, as you feel like you've taken steps back. And the reason I say that is because trauma only exists in that moment in the past. And when we in embodying trauma now is like us feeling it's happening mm -hmm. in the moment. So even if you have like felt like you got a lot better and then you kind of digressed or feel like you digressed a little bit you are still after the fact of your trauma and you begin to understand, oh, like this is a part of healing. A part of healing is literally like, it's never gonna, with anything in life, it's never gonna be like, oh, it's just, it's better. You know, if you if you mess up your knee playing soccer, you can't just pretend like you didn't Ashe, mess up your knee. Ashe, do you <laughs> know about that? <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. I, I wish you could see my face as soon as you said that, because I messed yeah. up my knee playing soccer, so I also was going to say, yeah. don't know if that's a coincidence. Yeah, tore up my entire knee playing basketball, so oh, jumping man. is very scary when I'm in yep. the air. Yeah. yeah, and in the same way, I know that my anxiety is a part of me, and I heal in different ways from uh, like a panic attack or from a bout of anxiety for a couple of days. I heal myself, but I, I know it's never going to go away. It's I'm not going to be cured miraculously and never <laughs> yeah. be anxious again. Um, so in that same way, it's like, oh, you're always, these things always shape you. You guys <laughs> definitely understand how to segue things. I'm just, I just know how to talk. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, somebody asked me the other day, they were like, oh my God, if I'm talking too much, like if you're not up for talking and I was like, if I didn't like talking, I should need a different job. I talk all day for a living and I talk yeah. all day as my hobby. Yeah. I'm not even necessarily good at talking. I just like, have you ever seen those diagrams where it's like, okay, home and you like spurt off. It's like one of those diagrams. That is my conversations about life. I'm like, this connects to this and this and this. So Shay, you wouldn't know anything about that, would you? <laughs> he, he has this brilliant talent, which like I've, I've been concussed too many times and uh, my memory 
I also, I think anxiety plays a huge role in memory. Yeah. Recall that people do not validate. Uh, and I'm learning that more and more as I am oh, an adult, yeah. but also um, head trauma is not a good thing. So I often will forget what I'm saying. And yeah. Shay will do that too, but he has this brilliant way in his brain of mapping conversations that he is able, if you literally give him time, he will backtrack so it's unreal to watch. Yeah, oh. I don't know. I just picture in my head as a conversation progression progressing, a tree diagram just starts forming of yeah. all the ways it could have gone and then it, it actually ended up going and then I just follow the tree diagram. I think that's so interesting because I only have um, one other friend I've talked to about this. Uh, she is ADHD. And we were talking about how our conversations just kind of go all over the place. And she was explaining to me, she was like, yeah, that's a very like active trait for having ADHD. Huh. And um, I also was talking about, um, so when, especially, yeah, from trauma. And I think like this all connects. I definitely, I had the same thing. I can be having a full fledged deep conversation for like a good hour and then blank out and be like, I have no idea what I was talking about. And I think it's just a part of like the brain and our bodies and healing. And um, so, yeah, I definitely understand people not validating that. Actually, I remember when it first started happening, um, my partner started being like, oh, like, are you not listening? But then I explained to him what was happening. And thankfully he like right away changed. I basically said to him, if I ever bring this up, please don't ever say to me like, oh, was I not listening? I, I, I'm always, I will tell you when I wasn't listening. This always comes from a place of healing. This is so interesting. We have hit every theme that I've, so I listed four themes that I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. And we've hit the middle two without me prompting and naturally progressed that way. And then we're about to hit the fourth one by accident. Yeah. Where I said, what my theme is, what do we think about grief, emotions, and mental health together? So for me, anxiety is a big one where the mind map thing, I don't think in mind maps, but I'm often thinking in the structure of conversation. And so sometimes I'm actually not listening, but I, I sound like I'm listening and I facially am listening, look like I'm listening, but I'm yeah. not because I'm, I'm literally being, and it sounds manipulative, but I don't mean it to be. It's based on anxiety where I feel like a puppeteer where I'm like conscious of where the conversation is going and where it should go and where I want it to go to keep everybody feeling calm and chill and I think that comes from like a whole slew of anxiety and awkwardness as a kid where I just like I went through like a mute phase where I just could not talk yeah. and I say mute as an um it wasn't as extreme as like I literally didn't talk but a lot of times when presented with a conversation I just didn't engage which people don't believe me now in my life um <laughs> but I I just didn't engage because I didn't know what to say and I felt like I didn't have anything to say and like it didn't have a lot of self-worth and so then I felt awkward and I felt them being awkward and that feeling there's a we don't have a word for it but they're in I think it's German has a word for it it's the feeling of feeling awkward for someone mm -hmm. they yeah. have an actual vocabulary word for it and I'm like, like we need that word but yeah so in in feeling all of that awkwardness as a kid I've brought that into like how I communicate where sometimes, yeah, I'm not, I forget, we finish a conversation. I'm like, shit, I was not listening. Like they said yeah. important things yeah. and I was freaked out about the conversation structure. So I just like placated. Yes. Listen, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it's tough. Yeah I, think, yeah. I think this is something not a lot of people talk about, but I very much can relate to. And especially, yeah, with like healing from trauma or healing from any sort of mental health, I learned how to express especially like because I lived with my partner I've lived with my partner for about three years I've learned 
um, how to express when I just, I'll just apologize. I own it up, but I think it's a lot harder when you're hanging out with friends or peers. I've definitely started becoming more conscious of that. And I'll say to him, I'm sorry, I just wasn't listening. I'm an awful multitasker. I've gotten better at communicating with people and just owning it, like being like straight up, sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Can you repeat it? And I've started doing it with friends and more often I've noticed that when I actually tell them straight up, they respect that versus me being like, kind of like, oh, okay. Like, and same thing goes when I actually just like blank out. And I think this is just very, just a very human nature thing is, yeah, especially with social interactions and any sort of internalized social anxiety, we want to know where the conversation's going. We want to be able to make the other person feel good and never feel awkward. Like there's any blank silences. So I think that's just so normal. And I think that's actually very respectable thing to have because you're just like I said you're always trying to make sure at both parties you're feeling good so I think that's normal and I think we should get better at just owning when we're not perfect like I've um definitely try to get better with friends it's a little bit more intimidating when I say sorry I just wasn't paying attention (laughs) um yeah I've had my best friends since like I was four they've recorded me during a conversation to show me visually that like I actually do do a pretty good job of nodding at the right times and saying like oh like I'll even make facial expressions and I have no idea what that story was (laughs) yeah and I would say it's good I wouldn't be able to do a single host podcast I would not be able to do it. Like I very much need the back and forth with O'Shea. And we also like flip back and forth between who, like, especially how much we connect with the guest or like what we relate to the topic. Like it, it fluctuates so much, but because there's two of us that are very similar, it really helps. Frankly, I'm with you. I, I struggle to make it through hour-long meetings at work sometimes. Like my yeah. attention span will give me 35 to 45 minutes. And then I'm like... Uh, That's impressive, actually. Uh, Don't downplay that. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I, say that I say that roughly. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything, because I had my list of themes I wanted to talk about, but is there anything that you would like to chat about still um, that you feel like hasn't been aired out? already you know i would love to i i actually had listened to some of your guys' stuff and i would love to talk very briefly about kind of what i do especially i think like the art stuff's pretty self-explanatory but i would love to talk a little bit about the two small businesses um Mm -hmm. just because i think it's a huge and important part of my life and um so um i'll start with the one that doesn't take as much explaining so i have subflume which is my art company and i've been all over the grid with that i actually in i used to live in toronto for a few years and i actually my big thing there was uh, concert photography which was very fitting because i was obsessed with music collected so many records and i was like i have no musical talent how do i segue into this and then i was like oh photography i'm gonna do that so uh, it was such a beautiful amazing experience um gonna go off topic so but now um yeah now i do basically a bunch of stuff i i handle people's graphics sometimes i do website design i do album artwork for people um basically any sort of artwork i'm very well versed so i i just do a lot of commissions and make a lot of really cool my signature style which is kind of like what i would like to be known for quote unquote um is i have this overlay style which um, it's very abstract and very euphoric. I don't know how to explain it. It's very, um, you look at it and you're kind of like, oh, this is like kind of trippy. <laughs> and I, oh. and it's very much um, my energy and, and very much my time in it. And um, under Subflume is how I published my zine because I self-published it. 
And yeah, I hope that it grows to, I'm hoping to one day connect with um, a resource center to offer it to. Um, but that's a growing dream that's coming into fruition. Yeah. Do you feel and, comfortable saying the title? Oh, if yes. people wanted to look yes. it up. The zine mm-hmm. is called uh, Getting Out of Bed. It's The full title is kind of, is Getting Out of Bed. And then I put like a zine about healing from trauma because I think it sometimes needs to be explained. But Can you yeah. also really quick? explain what a zine is because i know i did not know until danny told me yes so a zine is basically and i'm probably like i said i was very inexperienced with zines and i'm not going to articulate this very well but it's basically a very small artist book so it can be anything it can be comics it can be drawings it can be photographs and and a lot of times it's um, made by independents so people at home who are just utilizing some of their materials and make like this little makeshift book um it's now transitioned into being a much bigger thing so my 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 zine is funny because i always kind of transition i call it a zine but it's like 52 pages which is more like teetering to the book side so i say this is my zine or i published this book that's called did it get a zine about killing from trauma so it kind of gets both words thrown into it but um yeah a zine is very much like the the embodiment of like independence like creatives just creating a little book from home and a lot of people end up um, offering it them to the world the ones that they really like and they find are very important and yeah so I called it a zine because it, it, I made my own font to like for my handwriting uh, so it has my writing in it it has my photographs in it it has drawings in it it's like very <laughs> multi-disciplinary yeah. um, so yeah it can be anything. amazing so getting out of bed a zine about Healing from trauma. Healing from trauma on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, believe it or not, Amazon was the more eco-friendly of my offerings because um, typically a lot of um, self-publishers, you get, you order books in a big, um, just like you purchase them in a big bulk. So I would have to order like a thousand and then keep them at home. But Amazon actually prints them as that as they come and that oh. way people are also ordering other things it all comes in one box so um ironically enough it was the most sustainable of the options for me um and because i used to just like get a big bulk printed and then but then um paper would like it would there'd be a lot of waste and i was just didn't resonate with me so um Amazing. yeah that's, that's, that's the irony. not typically the soundbite on <laughs> yeah. amazon yeah. right yeah no, that's it's cool. not yeah, the good outlet for independence. And yeah. And then so my um, second little small business, which is more recent, is called Sustainable Passion. A lot of my heart and soul is going into that because it kind of does still carry a lot of my artwork. But it's, it's all about like helping heal the earth and how we can reconnect to the earth to help heal ourselves. And um, so it's a zero waste shop of all curated items as me as like a zero waste consumer really actually found valuable because <laughs> uh, I feel like a lot of times there's some, you know, uh, quote unquote green washing and uh, I do everything sustainably for shipping. So I actually, um, my grandmother who passed a few years ago, she always used to wrap gifts and reuse materials. So I ship all mm-hmm. my uh, materials and I, a lot of times I make envelopes out of my newspaper. I actually have them all over here. Um, yeah, so I'm like I'm really really passionate about providing sustainable materials that are accessible um, 
not overpriced. So uh, for example, as we were talking about, I'm going to segue back to the um, women's uh, bodies and such. Like uh, I used to, for example, I'm sure you, you know, that buying pads, like every time you buy a box of pads, it's probably like seven to like $14. And then that lasts you a couple months, maybe. Um, so for example, instead I'll offer like a $15 pad that you you can rewash and you can just use for the oh, rest of your life. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, you know, my my line is always like, yeah, you're helping the environment, but also you never have to spend money on like <laughs> period poverty is a big thing and like on yeah. period products again. I think that's very important. And then yeah, and then I do a lot of earth based spiritual readings and healings. So with that, I just touch upon. I've always I've collected rocks and crystals as a kid, so I learned a lot about the scientific makeup of both, like of a lot of natural things in the world, but also in turn learned a lot about the spiritual context of things and reconnecting to the earth, which I think is important. So I've done a lot of readings for people where um, it's just really narrowed in on what that individual needs rather than giving very open and generic advice I really get down to it and um, hopefully help people reconnect with the earth and have a better relationship with the earth and everything on the earth including people and animals and everything yeah and that really connects to your first word that you use the collaborative approach to everything yeah. um, so I like the full circle that just came to Thank that you. was pretty <laughs> okay Amazing. Big mm-hmm. talk, small summaries. BTSS. <laughs> and I've I never will called say, it that before. I'm sorry. Yeah, I no, I, I'm actually okay <laughs> with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will say just as a closing thing to your summaries of your businesses is that I love the themes around why you do what you do. It overlaps a lot with like the mission behind our podcast and the mission behind what we do as people. Um, and I know we're constantly looking for collaboration with small businesses. Uh, and this is just very cool to chat with you about this. Oh, thanks so much. Absolutely. So glad. Okay. Big talk, small summaries. I need to think in sec. But also, if you need to talk it out to get to a word or a phrase, yeah. sometimes that helps as well. I'm just going to go with the first one that it popped into my head because I'm just going to go with my gut before overthinking it. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say healing because I think um and the, there's some obvious ones and some not i think there's healing that can happen in um healing how we love and appreciate ourselves like how we heal ourselves how we heal our planet how we um help other people heal and how we respect each other in the healing processes and understanding other people um and understanding that we'll never understand other people and i think that's a huge thing with within human nature is that we always want to know everything and it divides us so i think when we all understand that we're healing and we're healing each other we're healing ourselves we're healing the earth um we begin to form better connections to the earth to ourselves and to other people because we're so respectful of everyone's experiences and journeys and um, it can be healing through tough family discussions. It can be healing through religion, literally anything. And I think just healing really embodies so much respect. Just respect. I was going to say healing and respect is like probably it. Yeah, I, I really that. like that. That Thanks. was great. Nashay, do you have yours? <laughs> I think I do. I think I do. And um, again, as is very, very on brand for me, it's going to require some explanation, but I'm going <laughs> to... I give it a shot. Um, so mine is, um, I'm trying to think of the right first word, but I know what the second two words are. 
I think mine is accept your lens and accept others' lenses. And so essentially what I want to say with that is everybody's worldview and everybody's perception of reality is different. You're, to your point, Mel, you're never going to understand. You're never going to understand what somebody else is going through via lived experience. And you're never going to fully be able to ex- understand or experience their exact worldview or their exact trauma, right? But understanding and accepting, more importantly, that all lenses, that lenses exist, the lens through which you view the world is, is unique in your own and that it's okay and that it's not the same as others. And that is what shapes your, your trauma, like the trauma you've had, the, the experiences you've had have shaped that lens and that it exists is really important. And continuing with that metaphor, sometimes that lens gets dirty and it needs cleaning and you need to go through that healing and cleaning process. And so I think being aware of and understanding and accepting everybody's lens is, is, is important. My word is beauty or beautiful. And I say that because I think we've commented so many times in finding the beauty in ourselves and like our bodies, but also in our trauma. And I, I always say the sentence like, I wish I didn't have to go X, through XYZ to get to this point of growth and like valuing myself and my own body, but it happened. I can't change that. So like, it's nice that I can see the beauty in a lot of my healing and a lot of the lens that I look through to, to link to both of yours that it is beautiful. And it took a long time to get to that phrase to describe my life and who I am. So I just think that it's a, it's a great thing that you heal through art and that art is beautiful. And you're talking about like designing the font for your zine, like again, like every detail in that, it just speaks to like, the beauty that you bring to the table. That's it. I'm saying thank Amazing. you for your word. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, thank you. Snap. That's incredible. I wish there was an emoji for that reaction. Yeah. snapping emoji. I, <laughs> yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and I, I want to, I want to really shout out that you, you brought up that healing is not an easy process by any means. Both of you brought that up, but it is a beautiful one, right? Yeah. And I know that uh, we've said a few times for for people who don't heal or don't do this in the same way that we are talking about today, but also it doesn't have to be beautiful and it doesn't have to be beautiful right now. So just giving like people space to like kind of live in the low days because I very Mm -hmm. much like I have learned to love the low days as just part of my life, but also they're not always super fun. So just validating that like not everything is beautiful, but I understand that a lot of today's discussion has come from a place of we made it through and it, now we can yeah. appreciate the beauty that we brought through it. There's this quote, um, and actually the trauma counselor I worked with was Indigenous, and so it was such an amazing experience wow. too because she she really not only valid, wow. like a lot of times when you bring up spiritual stuff in, um, in, a, in a doctor's office, let's just say they're yeah. usually like, okay, you're crazy. And she was very validating of that. And um, she saw the world in this very holistic lens and anyways um so she had this quote and she's a trauma specialist so just coolest person ever basically she had this quote and i'm gonna very very loosely quote it and it basically said something like um like for when you plant a seed it needs to completely shatter and come undone for it to like begin to blossom and to the same person it looks like complete destruction when in all in all reality that's how you need to like I can't remember the end of it, but basically like how it needs to take form. And um, it really resonated with me where I, it's always so hard for me to like, that's why I always just say like this scene is very um, subliminally like sublime, huh? 
like sub mm -hmm. um, sub subliminally beautiful to me because it came from such a, a not beautiful time obviously like not even gonna that's more not more than downplaying that um, <laughs> um it and i literally because i created this zine i literally made something good come out of this experience like the same thing goes with healing is like like i said any person who's experienced trauma afterwards you're always healing from trauma and that itself is like the silver lining it doesn't make you say like oh yeah i can't wait to go through it again yeah it's like there is something there's it's almost like when my partner is always like there's like good in every day but not every like like there's not not every day is a good day or you know what i mean oh like, yeah yeah i've heard yeah. that so it's just like the same thing is like it doesn't have to be something you accept as any sort of means is good or beautiful by but i'm sure there are ripples that show up in your life that you can be proud of, of whether it's helping someone else go experience healing like for example i obviously would never wish to go through my trauma again however it did allow me to hopefully help others to heal and talk about it and let this be less of a taboo and create the zine and etc so i hope that makes sense it absolutely did it was a great it was a great summary and i appreciate that okay it brings yeah. us to the bittersweet part of the thank you for spending time and mm -hmm. opening up space for this type of topic i'm yeah. really excited to publish this again i'm okay with positive words in this context even though it's a negative yeah. can be a no. negative experience um but yeah thank yeah. you so so much i'm so happy carrie connected us and oh uh, thank you the, thank you uh, so much mel yeah thank you so much for having me this is genuinely one of the most profound like how <laughs> conversations that i'm like hell yeah that was recording i'm so happy about that um so thank you so much for like even not only providing this platform to myself, but to other people to like fuck the small talk <laughs> um, and get down to it because usually the small talk is not what's important in life. It's, it's these conversations and I think they're so vital and important and you create a platform that that's possible. So I definitely want to express like my gratitude and I'm sure everyone else is so grateful for what you provide, so thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, you can shoot us an email by emailing fsmalltalk at gmail.com, reach out to us on Instagram at fsmalltalk, or visit our website, fsmalltalk.com. We wanted to give a big thank you to our lovely and talented friend Ada for the musical considerations. She's an amazing up-and-coming independent recording artist specializing in R&B, pop, and funk. She's available for collabs and shows, so if you liked what you heard, simply hit her up on Instagram at Ada So Live. That's at A-I-D-A So Live. If you want to hear more of her stuff, you can find her at soundcloud.com forward slash Ada So Live. That's soundcloud.com forward slash A-I-D-A So Live. She's amazing, so definitely go check her out. A big thank you also goes out to Lonnie for producing the awesome track you heard. He is an R&B and hip-hop producer who's worked with major artists, including Drake, Beyonce, and Lil Wayne. He's available to work with at his Toronto studio, so if you're interested, simply check him out on Instagram at HitHouseToronto. That's at HitHouseToronto. So again, big thank you to Ada and Lonnie. This podcast was brought to you by us. And also beer. And also coffee. Because what is sleep even? Also, hi mom. Love you. <laughs>